Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Right on, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I am David Haw, Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune at Hallis Hall. It's football season, which is where you can find us on your free Odyssey app. We're going to be here all year long, the beginning of the 2023 season at Hallis Hall today. The Bears report to camp. It's not like going to Platteville. It's not like going to Bourbon A, but it is the beginning of football season, Dan. There's excitement in the air. How are you? I'm doing good, David. This will be uh, season 13 in the NFL for me, season 11 covering the Bears, and it's hard to believe that it's here again. You mentioned this not being like those uh, uh, road venues. Pat Finley and I were just talking about this in the media room. There used to be so much more pomp and circumstance to reporting day, and it used to feel so much more grand and ceremonial and everything else. You'd you know, watch guys unload their cars and bring whatever – uh, amenities they were trying to, to sneak into their dorm rooms. You'd have a full day of that, and then you'd get the, the general manager and the head coach in the late afternoon, and it just it felt very landmark. Today was about as ho-hum of a reporting day as I can ever remember. That's neither good nor bad. It was just kind of a boom, 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 methodical. Here's Ryan and Matt. Here's Justin and DJ. Here's Tremaine and Eddie, and on we go. Uh, and now we move on. But it's, uh, it, it's great that it's starting, and, and now we'll see where we go from here. My first training camp covering the Bears, Dick Duran was the coach to take you way back. And yeah. I can remember uh, just how much fun it was because it was an NFL training camp in Bourbon A away from a lot of things. And that's what teams did because that's tradition, uh, traditionally what was, was expected. Things have changed so much. I know your first training camp was <laughs> Mark Tressman, the coach. So I think that both of us have uh, kind of unique memories because both of those are unique guys for different reasons. Yeah. But your first camp was maybe a little less uh, stable than uh, – that was 2013, wasn't it? Well, so 2014 was my first camp because I started yeah. in 2013, but we didn't get here till after camp was over, Rich and I. Um, and, and 2014 was filled with uh, uh, things that happened. Martellus Bennett got suspended for a couple of days after a fight with with Kyle Fuller. That camp, I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, uh, it was the start of that. Was when uh, at the time where Brandon Marshall was having the campaign, Jay Cutler for MVP, and by the end of the season, <laughs> he was telling everyone that the Bears should have buyer's remorse for giving him the the eight year <laughs> extension. And so it yeah. was uh, quite a landmark season in that way. Uh, we digress, but no, they, you know, particularly for a reporter, you know, those days. Y- y- the first week of camp on the road used to be a lot of fun. And then the third 
into the fourth week of camp, you'd be like, when are we ever getting out of bourbon a, you know? And so, so it's a different experience now, again, neither good nor bad, just very, very different in the, in the way it, it, it unfolds. And also the CBA is different now, David, you go through the, the schedule and they're just more mandated off days and it's a longer time and a longer wait. And we can get into this later in the show before they actually get into pads. Right. You know, that used to be like the third day of practice. Now we're going to have to wait a week until we see a padded practice. And, and it is what it is. It's just a new era. August 2nd is the first padded practice. And I think you're right about the packaging, the presentation of the Bears at training camp, which is really just their facility. Back in the day, I think that's why also you would see more stories that you didn't expect to necessarily see. Today, it is very packaged. It is very much homogenous in terms of what is getting out and why. And and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. But let's get to what we heard today at the podium because Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus met the Bears media uh, on Tuesday morning to basically set the tone for the 2023 season. I wondered before before they spoke, what would be the goal this season? What would be, how ambitious would they sound? Because let's face it, they were coming off a historically bad year, never lost 14 games before. Can you, with a straight face, sit there at the podium the next season and say, we want to make the playoffs? It's the NFL. So I think I want to hear that from my head coach and general manager. How did they come across? One of the most notable things I heard early on Tuesday morning was Ryan Poles vocalizing the need and and the undisputed need to raise expectations. And him saying directly that, that great teams raise their expectations and then they go chase those. And I thought that was was a great set of marching orders from uh, the man constructing the rosters in in talking about what he's been talking about for months here, which is uh, creating a championship mindset. We've talked about that on the show before, which for me uh, is is Ryan's way of saying learning to win. Right. And so he, he elaborated on that today and having that discussion about raising the expectations, I think, is paramount when you come off a 14 loss season, when you lost your last 10 games a year ago, when the players that this means a lot to that are still here vocalize like Eddie Jackson did today, that he, he's tired of the bare standards of the past, that he wants to win again, that he wants to turn this thing around as soon as possible. You feel that hunger, and it's a necessary hunger that's needed if you're going to go chase those grand dreams. Now, look, there are steps between here and the grand dreams, but if you're not at least chasing them, uh, you're never going to get there. How many questions did Ryan Poles answer before we heard from Matt Eberflus? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that to me was almost a very symbolic of where the Bears are in their growth. I think that we all want to, uh, you know, I'm speaking for myself. I mean, you all want to believe in the football is to football coaches. You all want to believe that the staff can make an impact and make a difference. That's what you want. But I think that it's still a, a GM's team. And this is, this is a, a, a team and an organization still in the growth stage. Well, the first question that, that Matt Eberflus answered today was, a question that Ryan Poles asked him when he recognized that his head coach sitting right to his right was not taking any questions. I will let you in on a little behind the, the curtain secret here. That's a little bit of media strategy here because we're going to hear from Matt Eberflus 
35 times before the regular season starts. After a lot of practices, after every game, you only get one crack at the general manager. So every time the general manager is up on that podium, it's almost a mandate in the room that you get through every single possible question that you have for the general manager before you even set eyes on the head coach. Because Matt's going to talk to us tomorrow. He's going to talk to us three times before, you know, this time next week. And so you've got to get those boxes checked with the general manager so you know where he's coming from. Um, but but look, like the two of them, I think, are in lockstep in understanding that 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 last year is a thing of the past and that this year has to be all about making important progress. You know, it can't just be progress. It's got to be important progress in a lot of different ways, whether that's player development or um, raising the standards or, or just defining the way you go about doing things on a daily basis. There's got to be progress here because otherwise you're just going to be the same old bears with the same old results, with the same old frustration brewing across the city. Dan, I think a lot of us on the outside look at the schedule as an opportunity. And when we talk about what the Bears are capable of doing in 2023, most of us point to the schedule because it is the last place schedule. I wonder, how did that affect or how did that work into their rhetoric if it did at all? Do they look at the schedule as an opportunity or do they still have the cliche approach? You play who you play. No, I think they, they, they play who they play. And, and you know, when, when I pressed Ryan on, on a little bit more of a definition to what he means when he says creating a championship mindset, he said he started out by saying, look, it starts with each guy understanding what they're good at and what they're not good at individually. And then you take that out to the team. And then the thing that, that really resonated with me was him saying, you want to walk into the stadium believing you're going to win the game, not hoping you're going to win the game. And I think the 2022 Bears, it was kind of like, oh, maybe we can hang around and celebrate a close loss. And, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe we hope we can do something late to win a game. And ultimately, Ryan's been a part of that Chiefs organization. He's, he's been in a Super Bowl parade in Kansas City. He knows what that feeling is when you walk into a building on a Sunday and you just know you're the best team. You know, you're going to take that football field. You believe you can win. And more Sundays than not, you do. And so that's what they're trying to um, progress to, what they're trying to get to. And I think that's significant here because every single team the Bears played, David, is going to look at them as an opportunity to win a football game. They're a 14-loss last-place team that had the number one pick in the draft. They are being looked at as a team that other teams can get healthy against right, and, and win against. The Bears have to flip that script as soon as they possibly can. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Let's face it, everything that they said hinges on the play of Justin Fields. So let's go there because he spoke after that. And he came uh, onto the podium or at the dais along with DJ Moore, his number one wide receiver. Nice socks hat, by the way. <laughs> nice red socks hat. Very much a local nod. He's uh, he's very 
quick to adjust. That's a very good sign for his route running tendency. We know that he can adjust on the fly. Justin Fields, besides, you know, letting his hair grow out a little bit, um, literally, and I wonder if he's going to let his hair down figuratively, what did he have to say that surprised you, if anything? Because I think what, based on the offseason rhetoric, Dan, it hasn't been that long since we heard from him. I mean, last week, maybe. Confident young man comes into his third season prepared and believing that he's capable of fulfilling that potential and and doing the kinds of things that he needs to do to make this a winning organization again. Well, our guy Brad Biggs pressed him on the vow that he made last week to pass for 4,000 passing yards. You know, and Justin stood by that and said, look, it's never been done in franchise history. I want to do it. I hope DJ helps me get there. And that's obviously a very high bar to reach. You know, but we just talked about raising the, raising the expectations, and so Justin's doing that. Um, as a leader, he's got to back that up with the way he works, with the, you know the the way they pro- uh, progress through training camp. Um, he was much less specific when pressed by a couple of reporters on uh, the areas where he really feels like he wants to get better during this training camp and in 2023. But I think we've documented those really since last January where he needs to get better. Now it's all about let's let's go stack practices together as this training camp unfolds. Let's assess where he is and progressing through things in the pocket with his reads, with, with the rhythm and timing of the passing game, like they talk about. And then let's, let's get back together in a week or two and talk again and figure out where you're at and, and, and continue to do that through the preseason. Justin understands who he is in this organization and what his significance is to the future of this organization. He's never run from that. It's one of the most alluring qualities he has is that he, he embraces those expectations and he takes them on without flinching. Now you got to back him up w- with production on the field. And that's the next step here. DJ Moore was sitting next to him. And I, I know just from looking uh, as early as this morning on the Mullen Haas show, just at his numbers and how he did suffer a little bit of a dip last year. As much as we're excited in Chicago about the fact that Bears have a legit number one wide receiver, his numbers declined in 2022. And he comes to Chicago this season ready to maybe surpass a thousand yards if this all goes well, maybe to catch a hundred passes if he's targeted that often. I wonder, as he sat there today, I had this thought, I wonder if you could answer it, the question that, Who's going to help whom more? Is DJ Moore going to help Justin Fields become a better quarterback as much as Justin Fields might help DJ Moore get back to that level where he knows he can play? I mean, I think out of the gates, DJ Moore is going to help Justin Fields more because what Justin needs right now is someone he can trust and rely on and be, um, you know, in sync with in important moments. You know, when you get to third down, when you get inside the red zone, when you need a big play, Justin now has a guy he knows he can turn to right away and, and have that trust factor. And it's built in now. And it's amazing that it was built in this quickly, David, and that they, that they reached the level of uh, cohesion and chemistry that they did because that's going to be very helpful to a young quarterback trying to make that developmental leap uh, at a critical stage, right, for, for not only himself but for the team. And so I, I think out of the gates here in 2023, it will be DJ that helps Justin more, and then ultimately you want it to be the other way around. I don't disagree with that at all, and I think it goes back to maybe the hidden – uh, one of the hidden advantages of or maybe overlooked at times of making the trade when the Bears made the trade. DJ Moore became part of the organization earlier in the offseason, even though it was maybe just a little bit more, maybe a month or so, and he was able to acclimate himself rather than a trade that takes place on draft night and everything is is hurried and hassled and he has to rush to get to Chicago and he doesn't have the time to maybe – kind of lean into the whole idea of embracing all the newness and getting to establish a rapport with his new quarterback. And I think that's what 
comes to mind because I, I agree with what you're saying, but I also think that it's interesting that one of the strengths of the Bears offense seems to be something we didn't even see last year, and that was the relationship and rapport between the chemistry, if you will, Justin Fields and DJ Moore. Well, what I was going to say is this may actually serve as a bridge and a, and a fitting transition here, but DJ is clearly very low maintenance. And one of the reasons that the, the chemistry came together as fast as it did with Justin Fields is because DJ doesn't require a lot. It's like, hey, Justin called me up, said, hey, let's go work out. We're going to go to Miami on these dates. And I did it. And we went and we, we, we connected. Um, when they got on the practice field this spring and OTAs and minicamp, they connected. That cohesion was, was, was quick. Uh, and they're about the same things. You know, they want to work hard. They want to elevate their own games. They want to elevate the, the, the games of the guys around them. And ultimately, they want to elevate this offense to a level where it can play winning football on a consistent basis. And so, um, you know, I laugh because, right, like you, you, you got one low-maintenance receiver as your number one now, and you got another guy in Chase Claypool that we'll hear from tomorrow who has a lot of questions to answer uh, since the last time we talked to him uh, at Locker Cleanout Day. King of the Segway, that's a good one. So Chase Claypool – is on the pup list for about 24 hours, didn't pass the physical, then he did. Apparently, that's the way I understand it, Dan. They spoke about what that uh, consternation that created and why that occurred. So let's start with him before we get to Darnell Mooney because those are the two guys that give the Bears you know, pretty good receiving core. But Chase Claypool's status from the pup list, which was a bit of a surprise and raised a lot of people's eyebrows, to not being on the pup list – I did not want to overreact. I'm glad that I didn't because it was 24 hours later and he's basically on track to begin practice like everyone else. I'm still trying to understand the mechanics of this um, a little bit because the, the Bears never were really worried about Claypool's availability. They also went to the level of designating him as, as physically unable to perform for a reason, which it's my understanding that it gave him an opportunity to get him in here before today to test them out, to put them through some paces. And 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 if you're not on the PUP list as a veteran uh, of Clay, Chase Claypool's status, you're not able to come in really before reporting day to do that. And so just in order to, to, to kind of sidestep that, they were able to get him in, put him on PUP, and then work him out and see that he was okay enough to get cleared. Here's the issue, David. Chase Claypool missed a couple weeks of organized team activities. He missed the mandatory team minicamp with what was being described as a soft tissue issue. Today, during his podium session, Justin Fields said he bothered his knee a little bit when we were down in Miami, and then he had to kind of shut it down there and then come in here and get right. So there, there was clearly a knee problem that bothered Chase Claypool when when, when these receivers and quarterback and, and Fields were working out in Miami. And so now we've got to hear a lot more from, from Chase tomorrow to be like, can you kind of walk us through the timeline of whatever happened in May and June, whatever happened in July, and and – how are you going to assure us that you're going to be ready uh, for week one when the Green Bay Packers are on the schedule? This will be true up until week one. Nobody on that roster in that locker room at Hells Hall needs a game more than Chase Claypool because of what you just said. Now the, the knee becomes an issue because Justin Fields mentioned <laughs> it. And who knows what if that was part of the reason he went on pup and then he had to pass a physical. I don't know either because we're not privy to those medical details. But I do think he has a lot of explaining to do. I, I, I wonder if that might get lost in what I expect to be. I don't want to say bluster, but he is a very confident player. He's your prototypical wide receiver. I just hope that what happens with Chase Claypool doesn't get so distracting that it becomes a bigger part of the story than what he's capable of providing to the offense. Today was a great example, something that I think if I were a Bears coach, I would tell 
Chase Claypool recommend how did DJ Moore comport himself next to Justin Fields? He was just kind of relaxed. That's he was kind of confident and understated, and he's the number one guy. So handle yourself in a way that, yeah, exudes confidence, but doesn't create kind of concern. There's there's a magnetism to how chill DJ Moore is. You know, haven't been around him now for a few months. It's just it's like a a very comforting calm and you described that very well just now like there's just something there where you just feel at ease because of the way he is and and i think justin feels that way now chase is a guy who showed last year that at times he can be edgy sometimes he can be edgy because he's frustrated for the right reasons sometimes he can be edgy because he's frustrated for the wrong reasons and they're trying to get him to work through some of that emotional volatility in a way that is is much more steady for himself and the offense in 2023, uh, we heard Justin in May tell us that that you know he noticed a significant attitude change in Chase Claypool. Well, one of the first questions for Chase Claypool tomorrow is, Justin mentioned you had an attitude change. Can you describe for us what changed in your attitude? If your starting quarterback noticed it, what was different, and 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 what are you trying to improve on in that regard? These are significant questions. I mean, this is a a. a Major investment the Bears made last year. There's a chance that it, the return on investment is terrible, and it's up to Chase Claypool to change all that in a way that's meaningful, and it starts with a productive training camp, and then to your point, it can only really advance once we get into game action and he's healthy and producing and showing that he's a valuable member of this offense. In almost stark contrast, Darnell Mooney is the consummate pro, and I think that he's a different type of receiver. He's also, uh, uh, based on what we know in a small sample size, a different type of professional. I think he, him being cleared to begin practice very interesting. Looking forward to seeing what he has to offer in terms of durability, in terms of dependability, because he was, at last we saw him, Justin Fields, probably favorite target. And now there's another guy that maybe has passed him. It's obviously DJ Moore is going to be the number one guy. But what's reasonable to expect from Darna Mooney as they ease him back into the mix? Very, very um purposeful choice of phrase there because it is going to be an ease back in approach here. Um, what Ryan Pohl said today echoed some of the sentiments that I've been hearing for about a month now that, that while Mooney will be on the practice field for the first training camp practice, which is a huge development and a landmark moment for a guy who had tightrope surgery on that left ankle uh, after he had, broke it last November, um, he will not be a full participant in practice for a while yet. And they are going to have an individualized plan for him. They haven't specified what that is, but but certainly have made it very clear that the priority is his readiness for week one. And so it is going to be interesting day by day to kind of track the volume that Mooney uh, takes on, what he looks like. Again, it's a it's an eye test thing on, on how quickly he's able to cut, uh, how how much he's going to be facing defenders, and you know that that may be in question for a few weeks here whether he does any. Uh, route running against defenders. You know, it may just all be routes on air and individual drills for a little while. We'll see what that looks like this week and into next week. Um, but certainly it's it's like it's a positive development, but it hasn't cleared that last hurdle because you need to see probably a week's worth of full practices from Darnell Mooney before you feel really good about where he's going to be for 2023. I think that's really smart. I, I, I think you have to realize uh, with Darnell Mooney, you have to look at the calendar again and remember it's late July and in a yeah. month it'll be late August and you only need them in early September. So be patient, be gradual, be intentional with your caution. And I think that's the best way to go with Darnell Mooney, somebody who could mean a great deal to your 
to your offense and your passing game because of his established rapport with Justin Fields. Imagine that complementing the rapport and chemistry with DJ Moore. And then somewhere in the middle, maybe Chase Claypool can contribute if he can keep his attitude on track and stay healthy himself. Dan, I wonder, though, before we get back to something Justin Fields said, I want you to comment on. What about the Bears going outside the organization for wide receiver depth? Isaiah Ford is somebody, I believe, who has some experience in the league, uh, maybe a specialized skill set. But how does he fit in on the depth chart if he fits at all? Yeah, not sure. I I think it's pretty minor signing. I think this is the start of, uh, I think John Fox coined the term roster mechanics. You know, it's all roster mechanics, you know, and it's just, you know, there's a churn here, David. You've lived it. You've experienced it from late July until that roster cut down day, you know, just before Labor Day now. Um, it's, there's a lot of roster churn. And and I I remember you mentioned the 2014 training camp. It felt like every day Phil Emery was roster churning that thing. Like, like it was going out of style, you know, there'd be three new guys in two new guys. It was like to the point where I remember there, there was an offensive lineman. You have to look up the name. I feel like it was like Dennis Roland, but it was like, there was the churn was so frequent that Mark Trestman didn't know everybody's name every day, you know, and you (laughs) asked him a question. I think it's, I think the guy's name was Dennis Roland. I have to look at it. And and Trestman said, Oh, you mean the giant? And and that's, that's how he knew him. He knew him as the giant. He didn't know his, his first name, but anyway, I I feel like Isaiah Ford is just a, a body here. We know about Mooney, Claypool, Moore, Jones, St. Brown, Pettis, you know, there's a, it's already a pretty crowded room there. Um, I don't know that the, 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 any, any signings here in that position group are going to be anything more than camp depth. Let's go back to the quarterback room. Justin Fields addressed the uh, question about whether or not he might appear on the Netflix series quarterback, which I think is fast, fascinating. Oh, it's it's, great. Season one is great. I'm halfway through it. I haven't seen no spoiler alert. Don't tell me if Patrick Mahomes wins the Super Bowl or not. I'm <laughs> not sure. Um, Justin Fields was offered the chance to be uh, featured in next season's uh, edition of quarterback, which now is going to focus on Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, and of course, Aaron our Rock. guy, friend of the podcast, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Maybe, maybe we'll get maybe we'll get a spot in there. Okay. Maybe Aaron, I can't Aaron wait for that promo. We're gonna do a trailer, a take the north trailer for for next season series quarterback two see? on Netflix. Not, see now you're brainstorming in real time, which is great. That's great. Um, but but look, like full disclosure, I'm through seven of the eight episodes. Um, Patrick Mahomes will be playing in the AFC Championship game against okay. the Bengals. I think we're going to watch that tonight. Uh, so so I won't spoil that for you when you get there. Okay. Um, but really, uh, two things. Number one, fascinating series and and truly, truly illuminating, I think, of, of the lifestyle that these guys um, live and have to live. Now, as it relates to Justin Fields, he was asked directly, is that something you would ever do? Remember, when Justin was in high school, he was part of a docu-series on, uh, called QB1 and said that was a cool experience. As it relates to being pursued for season two of quarterback on Netflix, he said he was approached, uh, declined or, or, or did not reciprocate the interest and just said he didn't really want to add cameras to the building at House Hall that would impact the vibe here. Um, he was subsequently asked whether he talked that over. <laughs> with his head coach and his general manager. He said, I already knew it was going to affect the vibe and I, I didn't really need to talk it over with them. Um, but so he was approached and, and opted not to do it. Uh, he would have been a fascinating subject. The three that you just mentioned are all fascinating subjects. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it's a great series and I, I'm looking forward to seeing season two uh, as it relates to Justin. I, you know, I think that's the smart choice 
for where he is in his career development, for where this organization is right now, there's no real reason to introduce that vibe. It would be very self-serving more than anything. And I think right now you need to be in a team-serving mindset. I think it's a great decision. And I do think it's pretty telling that this quarterback, this young quarterback entering season three, aware of what he means to this franchise in a city, starved for success, desperate to see him you know, become a superstar, is not trying to do bring the attention before he has earned it. And I don't think that is a bad thing at all. I, I think that he said no for the right reasons. This is, you know, in terms of his decision-making being part of the growth and evolution of him as a quarterback, this was his first good decision uh, of hopefully many more to come in 2023. I think it was Kyle Long however, who had a tweet uh, on Tuesday that said, I like Justin, but to be fair, he already kind of has his own personal videographer uh, in Simon Kelly, who's posting all his workouts on, on Instagram and Twitter. And you get a lot of behind the scenes glimpses into Justin's work habits anyway. So maybe he doesn't need Netflix and Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions Company to come in and illuminate that anymore. But to your point, I think it's a good decision. And it, it's, it's, the right, it's the right call at this time, for sure. Right. It's, for this quarterback in this organization. And that's kind of funny what Kyle Long tweeted out, but I think that <laughs> it's in the offseason, you kind of understand, especially guys who lived up or, or grew up and, and lived life out loud, essentially, since they were in high school. They've been the center of everybody's you know, attention and, and, and the object of all of this you know, adulation. I get the whole I don't I, I wouldn't recommend it. I wouldn't probably wouldn't do it, but he has his own personal videographer. But in season, Dan, you know how it can be. If these guys are following around everywhere, what happens the first time he throws three picks against the, the Lions and comes in the Monday morning? You know, it's just this is wise and this has a little bit of a forethought. So I think it's a good call. Yeah, you, I mean, you don't need to introduce things that will um, exhaust or distract or just change the flow of your work week or the flow of your your preparation routine, or your habits. Um off they go, you know, and, and hopefully you will finish the series Off they by go. the next time we talk. Yep. And then uh, we can talk about the Super That's Bowl. a lot of binge watching. <laughs> I have to go to bed early, man. I got to get up early. All right. So let's get a couple other tidbits before we get out of here. So I think, number one, um, the edge rusher on defense on the defensive front is still a concern. It didn't sound like Ryan Pohl said no, but he didn't. He basically what I heard was. He said, yeah, we need an edge rusher, but we want an edge rusher on our terms. That is correct. That's the correct interpretation. Um, the name that has been brought up the most is Yannick Ngakwe. You know, he's been in the league for, for seven years now, I think, nine and a half sacks last year. Uh, still out there. Seems to make perfect sense for what the Bears need. But Ryan was sort of of the mindset of, we're not just going to do it just to do it. We want to have something that is one makes business sense, right? We want to have a transaction that, that fits what we're trying to do here. And then also we want to try to have some continuity if possible um, in a way where it, it, if we're going to sign someone, hopefully it can be someone that can be part of this for a little while. Who knows where that all ends up? He expressed his confidence and optimism in what Demarcus Walker, Dominique Robinson, and Travis Gibson can be. And then also said, there are no guarantees that you won't have something else happen. And there are no guarantees that something else will happen and that patience is imperative. And it seems like just a, a, an ongoing fluid process of trying to, to, to find a sweet spot for where something could work. We'll keep monitoring that because obviously I think we all sort of expected something to have happened by now and it hasn't. 
Got to ask this, even though I know the answer. Chris Jones wants $30 million a year from the Chiefs. He's a holdout. Ryan Poles might be familiar with Chris Jones from his days in Kansas City. The Bears, oh, by the way, need a defensive tackle. How unrealistic is it to think that they might get involved or make a phone call to say, hey, what would it take to get Chris Jones to Chicago? I'm willing to give up this if he comes here for that. The phone call is the easy part. The actual realism is is another story, and I just don't know what would be in it for the Chiefs at this point to let go of one of their, you know, just catalysts of, of, of how they win championships. And so, uh, you know, between the money and the draft capital and everything else that would come with it, the, the Bears are not in that sur- splurge and surge mode, as we talk about. And so I, I just don't I don't see that. Uh, being realistic, certainly it's easy to make that phone call and say, Brett, hey, just tell me what's going on. And, and, and I'll tell you a couple things that we got going on on our end, and we can at least have that preliminary discussion. I just don't see it leading anywhere. So Eddie Jackson also spoke at the podium on day one of training camp. I know that the last we heard from Eddie Jackson was via the Twitter machine where he was vowing <laughs> to have the best season ever by a safety in the history of football. How did he follow that one up? I appreciated his answer to that today because Mark Grody uh, from 670 The Score asked him directly, like, what prompted that? It was like the middle of a, a July week and you just proclaimed that you're going to have the, the best season by a safety ever. And I just said, you got, you know, it's about setting a tone and you got to speak it into existence. And I like his willingness to put stuff like that out there because I think he understands in year seven, having lived the NFL life that he's lived going from, you know, a last place team in 2017 to a, a, a two-time pro bowler and a a one-time first team all pro to being like a star on the rise to then having a 30 game drought without an interception to then reviving his career and getting hurt again he understands like this roller coaster has been jarring and right now all he wants to do is get on a ride that takes him to success and so his role in that is trying to establish and set a tone for the young guys here to understand that look like i'm tired of 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 being part of a team that finishes 500 or tanks and loses 14 games and you know everyone is just so frustrated with with the direction and the arc of things he's lived it for too long and so to see him sitting next to Tremaine Edmonds today was was cool because both of those guys are um I don't want to say big talkers because Edmonds Edmonds doesn't strike me as a big talker but they are tone-setting leaders and 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 they've established themselves as such and so you got a newcomer and a guy that's been here for seven years really trying to take the steering wheel of this thing and point it in a direction where other guys can follow it and so like after hearing Eddie today I have much less issue with that tweet last week I didn't have an issue with it it was just kind of like what's that all about and today it's like it's about setting a tone and I'm kind of for it I'm glad you said that because I think number one it's no accident, and, and I think it's by design that Tremaine Edmonds and Eddie Jackson were the two to address um, the media on the first day of camp. Those are two guys who will you know, theoretically lead this defense. And and I am in the as I, I want to be consistent. Last week I said, you know, you got to show me, stop telling me, because now you're at the stage of your career that you can talk a big game, but you got to back it up because you know staying on the field has been an issue. But I don't mind the confidence, and I think that you have to play that kind of swagger to be an effective defensive back in, in the national football league or any level. So I, I, yeah, the, the more time that is passes between now that, that tweet and now you kind of don't mind the, the bravado that he has to have. And he's an easy guy to root for as well, because he does have the kind of charisma that you want on your football team. Okay. On the other side, the rookie, Darnell Wright apparently came in. What did he do? Did he go away to an island and and live (laughs) off the land and and run mountains? And he sounds like he is in the best shape of his life, the way everyone is in the best shape of their life. 
Well, so I heard this from multiple people before I heard it from Ryan Poles today. And Ryan said he absolutely blew the conditioning test out of the water, that he cut his his weight, he cut his body fat. Again, we're going to put it to the eye test here over the next week or so. But this is a very important piece in the Bears machine for the next five years at minimum, hopefully 10 years. And so you want to see a rookie come in and seize his opportunity as soon as humanly possible. And Ryan, I asked him directly kind of like how he's going to measure progress through Darnell's first preseason and first camp. And it's all about technical things and working through things that you did in college that may not work on this level and polishing up some of the fundamentals. But some of it also is just about the mindset of being a pro and understanding when you have a really rough practice, how to bounce back the next day and put it behind you quickly and how to understand how to kind of both push yourself and pace yourself through, you know, a six and a half week stretch that is truly grueling, but also is designed to get you ready for the regular season because you can't get to week one exhausted mentally or physically. And so this is going to be a really cool period, I think, to kind of monitor Darnell Wright's development. They obviously feel really good about how he showed up at the starting gate, uh, blew the conditioning test out of the water, and now we'll get a, a look at it. And again, August 2nd, you said it earlier, that's the day the pads go on. That's when... Uh, life gets real for offensive linemen in the NFL. I don't want to get too excited, but, you know, that early report about a rookie first-round draft pick offensive lineman is so much better for those who can remember and of a certain age. Chris Williams early on, (laughs) ouch, first practice gone. How about Tevin Jenkins? Did he even get on the field before he was scheduled for back surgery? Gabe Karimi, goodness sakes. There's a lot of guys who there have been a lot of hope invested in as rookies that haven't panned out. Darnell Wright showing up in in, in great shape and killing the conditioning test – that's the way you make a first impression before you put on the pads. Well, and Ryan said he cares. You know, that he, he said that multiple times uh, throughout the last few months that they, they, they really feel that dedication from Darnell Wright, which is obviously a prerequisite to success in this league. Hopefully it carries over. It will be fun to watch. Again, August 2nd, he'll get in pads, and when the pads go on, that, that means one-on-ones are, are, are right, right there with him, and he'll get a chance to, to really go at it, and we'll get a chance to see what he's able to do. Anything that we forgot, anything that we overlooked, did we give any attention to Mark Potash getting up at 3.37 in the morning? Like, I'm impressed by that. Come on. (laughs) I was up for 15 minutes by the time he tweeted. Uh, So Rich Campbell responded to that tweet and said, slept in. (laughs) <laughs> which I thought was a good response to that. But, 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 but that wasn't even the best Mark Potash tweet of the day. Uh-huh. So Mark Potash later, I, I think it was right before interviews started here, posted the obligatory snapshot of the front entrance to House Hall, and then he wrote 168 days until locker cleanout day. <laughs> so about 15 minutes later, he's getting all the blowback on Twitter, as, as, as you would imagine he would, for posting something like that. And he said, oh, man, I, sh- I should have gone uh, for pandering instead of trolling here. And I said – Come on, Mark. That's like saying that Khalil Mack should have dropped into coverage more. You yeah. play to your strengths and you you rely on your strengths and don't change who you are because we need you to be you this season. If us in the media room are going to survive, it's going to take Mark Potash being Mark Potash. So thanks for bringing him up because that was the only thing that was on my checklist still. Training camp is all about knowing your role and then getting <laughs> right. into shape. Knowing your role mid- and do it to a high yep. level. And he's in midseason form. That's terrific. Okay, so we will be here a couple times a week in the offseason beginning, obviously, with this first pod of the 2023 season. And you can find us on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. You can stay with us all season long. We're into season two 
of the Take the North podcast. You can review us. You can rate us. You can do whatever you want. You can scream at us if you wish. And we will be here for all of it. Uh, so for Adam Stadzinski, our producer, for Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune out at Hallis Hall, I'm David Haw for the Mullen Haw Show. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast. We'll talk to you later this week. Great talk. See you out there.